Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. doing daniel ruiz tyson is available for monday the 12th of july 2021 with me daniel ruiz tyson episode 338 hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going another late recording 1749 hours here in london thunderstorms this afternoon nothing too dramatic just a you know, just a, an hour or so where it felt like the opening scenes to one of those 1930s universal horror films. I'm relieved Euro 2020 is over. I won't lie about that. Those international tournaments always make me feel uncomfortable. They always get me thinking about what I am, what I feel. Am I British? Am I English? Am I Spanish? The answer is I don't know. And uh, I was thinking, though, because... I've no doubt that most of Europe last night was rooting for Italy. And I think in Europe they make a distinction between, well, they make a distinction within the Brits. So they're okay with the Scots, the Welsh and the Irish. They just can't stand the English. There's something about the English, and I feel that way too, that just doesn't sit right with the Europeans and these tournaments they bring out it's the old cliches they bring out the white working class they bring out the worst aspects of the white working class it's get behind your team in a nice positive way you've got a multicultural team that is an example to much of Europe a significant chunk of which remains in the dark ages when it comes to diversity so you've got this brilliant young team it's the best England team Certainly in this century, I'd say it's one of the best England teams I've seen. Sure, you can, if you're going to get deep into your football and talk about the football itself, perhaps they've regressed. They're not as attacking as they were in the World Cup, although this is a better team. It's quite a cautious team, but it's a clever team in that respect. Plays to its strengths, plays a more European style of football than we're used to seeing from an England team. The team are more likeable than the golden generation, the so-called golden generation the overhyped generation I think those guys were we've got the most likable England manager since Bobby Robson I've always liked Gareth Southgate though I will hold my hand up here I followed his entire career as a player but when he was first capped by England just before Euro 96 he was I think playing in midfield at the time no he was playing as a centre-back by then for Villa but at Crystal Palace he'd been a holding midfielder and while he was a decent holding midfielder, I didn't feel he was a, an international player in the making, but completely proved me wrong right away. And I think he built a team in his own image. He's a guy who would have got into this team, I think, as a, a centre-back. He was a good ball-playing uh, ball centre-half, one of the best ball-playing centre-halves of the 90s that English football had. And there's so much to like about Gareth Southgate. There's a lot to like about this team. But it's just, I wasn't surprised by the trouble before the game. I wasn't surprised by the trouble after the game. Now, of course, these things can happen everywhere. 
and you know the continent has its own problems with ultras but i don't know there's just something that doesn't sit right about international tournaments and england for me it's i find it really stressful and as i said last week i was genuinely pleased that spain went out i didn't think spain would beat england last night as i say i don't think i would have had any particular allegiance to spain or england but i would have found it uncomfortable and there's not too many spanish businesses around now in london but you wouldn't have wanted to be an italian business in london or anywhere in the country today given some of the morons that are out there and I did hear from some Italian friends yesterday messaging me saying now they know why I didn't want Spain to win their semi-final against Italy because they were feeling uncomfortable. They didn't feel that they could go out there and say that they were supporting Italy. But, you know, I think I touched on this last week because I've grown up in London. I didn't go to university. My small circle of friends has remained largely the same over the years, mostly European or uh, West African with the Europeans. The West African friends certainly are into England more. I think partly maybe because they've not experienced, say, a Nigeria-England tie in international football. I think there might have been England-Nigeria actually in 2002. I can't remember what the hype for that game was, but they're far more English stroke British than myself and my European friends. There were one or two headlines last week in the tabloids that had a an element of the Euro 96 xenophobia about them. There was one, I think, about uh, ahead of the Danish game, bring home the bacon. You know, you might think, well, it's it's funny. When I interviewed Paddy Barclay for a When Shorts Were Short episode, um, a special on Euro 84, he did mention a similar headline. This is before that actual headline last week. He said um, there was almost an identical headline when England played Denmark in 83 in a European Championship qualifier. 40 years on, there's been no progress on that front. So, and also we've got the predictable racial abuse of the three young black players who missed the penalties. It's almost as if we're being tested now. Everything that could make this situation worse and just show us up as a country seems to be happening. The three players who missed happened to be black, which of course then brought out the usual anonymous tweeters posting racial abuse. And I think I read, uh, and this was a quote from Gareth Southgate, that those people responsible for tracking these posts confirmed that some of these posts weren't from this country. Um, beyond that, I don't know much more. But this is why I don't like anonymous tweeting. I, I know that in some countries, it's probably necessary, but in a country like this, it just encourages these so-called keyboard warriors. And I think this is far more serious than it used to be in the early days now. And I do think that when you're tweeting, when you're using social media, you should put your own name to those tweets. And, you know, like many, I think like my, I, I believe in second chances. We all make mistakes, but my problem with these social media posts is it's so well covered now. We know what the situation is with social media. We know that people can use it for racial abuse. Okay. And these people who are going to the trouble of creating anonymous accounts, they're doing it with the express intention of posting abusive messages anonymously. So that intention is there. That's why they're doing it. 
So I don't really buy this once they get caught, if they get caught. Oh, I didn't realise the damage it would do. I'm really sorry, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not sure really for these people whether I think second chances work. I don't know if you can take these people with you where we need to go as a country, you know, stamping out this kind of abuse. I don't know whether we can take these people or whether we should want to take these people with us. To what extent do we educate people like this? Because I don't necessarily think they're stupid. They might be, they might be ignorant, but they're not so stupid that they can't go to the trouble of creating an anonymous Twitter account and then tracking down the player's Twitter account and sending them abusive messages. So there's a lot not to like about international tournaments for me. I'm glad it's over. I'm not especially glad that Italy won. I'm just glad it's over. I'm glad the experience is over for me. As soon as the anthem got booed, I mean, I was going to mute the commentary anyway, but as soon as the anthem was booed, I muted the commentary and I just started listening to a theology show uh, show on my phone. The problem was around... After 90 minutes, I thought I'll go and watch extra time in the bedroom. I could listen to, you know, my favorite radio show, The Unexplained. Bad night to be doing a live radio show, you know, like that. I think even Howard Hughes acknowledged that. And I, he had a few guests dropping out, and I guess it was related to the football. But I was watching the extra time in the bedroom. I had my earphones on really loud to listen to the radio because I'm aware that the iPlayer, even with the iPlayer, the BBC iPlayer, there's a delay of about a minute or two because I've tested it in this tournament. And it's not as bad as the ITV hub. I think, you know, 20, what, 20 hours on, 22 hours on from Euro 2020, the final kicking off. I think that's still yet to start on the ITV hub. That's how bad the hub is. But when the penalty started, I had a real problem. No matter how loud I had the radio on, and I'm not someone really to blast my ears with loud audio because, you know, doing all this podcast work isn't great for the ears anyway. But I started hearing some cheering from somewhere on this road. And from that, I was able to gauge that England had tucked their penalties away successfully or that Italy had missed. And I thought I'd better get up again and just watch it on BBC one, because I bought an aerial from Argos just to watch the football uh, a few weeks ago, because the uh, rooftop aerial, as you know, if you're a regular listener, the rooftop aerial got trashed by the scaffolders when they were here at the start of the year. So I thought, oh, there's no point watching the penalties on the iPlayer, because the cheering that I'm hearing, it's going to give it away. So I got to the front room, switched the TV on, started up pretty quickly, and I caught, I think, the last three penalties from each team and that's it that's the tournament over and uh, I hope the people behind these abusive messages do get caught I don't personally understand why such a young player was taking the last penalty when there were more experienced players in the team who've won more stuff I agree with Roy Keane on that and it would it was a similar thing I think in Euro 96 they mentioned that uh, Gareth Southgate, he was such a young player at the time. In, in terms of in, international football, he was a very inexperienced player. And there was criticism of the likes of Paul Ince, who'd won everything with United, well, domestically anyway at the time. And he wasn't even watching the penalties. He had his back turned. And I, I think the criticism in terms of the penalty takers, the choice of penalty takers, was justified both in Euro 96 and last night. But anyway, it's... Uh, it's all over and done with. Well done, Italy. Well done, England, on reaching the final. Uh, I just hope that 
at some point we can turn out uh, better fans, you know, because I don't know how many times we can say it's only a minority. It's just the generation of England fans. It doesn't seem to change. There's that turnover, but they seem to be working from the same template and it makes it very difficult for people like me to get behind the team. And I don't mind this team. This is a likeable team with a hugely likeable manager. He may not be the right manager to take the team forward. That's another argument. You know, can he play a less cautious football? Is he the man to do that? That's that's something else. That's just football related. But more importantly, can this team find the fans that it deserves? And can... Those of you who are decent England fans find yourself happening upon some era, perhaps, where there are more and more decent fans such as yourself, or are you always going to have to be slightly embarrassed by the morons that follow the national team? Let's move on. Some South London visuals to report today. Going to be a long show this, uh, 18.03 hours today. South London visuals that made me wish I was somewhere else today. Uh, Walking through Brixton at lunchtime, a white guy in a back-to-front baseball cap like it was 1985. He was carrying a big ghetto blaster on his, uh, I think it was his left shoulder, blaring out music like he was Radio Raheem in Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. He then crossed on Brixton Road, okay, while there was a break in traffic and made off towards the market where no doubt there would be significant audio competition for his old ghetto blaster. I think that ghetto blaster was essentially travelling back to its spiritual home. So Radio Rahim made it across the road, but then all of a sudden I heard lots of cars beeping at the same time, beeping, honking. You know I don't drive. I don't know my uh, driver-related references. So I heard lots of cars beeping. I'm going to go with beeping. They were beeping at the same time. There was abuse being hurled. And I looked and there was an Asian guy crossing towards me in 1970s paisley pyjamas. He'd simply decided to walk across the middle of the road, pointing at drivers, not to stop them, but pointing in a way as if he had the power to stop the cars. And he was just shouting abuse back at them. The drivers inevitably had to come to a halt. And uh, 1970s paisley pyjamas simply cross the road quietly. I see these visuals and sometimes I don't know. I feel like these streets just tire you out. And uh, these are streets that stopped surprising me a long time ago. I'm not so wound up recalling those visuals right now because I've got some uh, deep heat on fragrance-free herbal and that's calmed me down a bit. Following on from that, I had a few bits and pieces to do in Brixton and on my way back home, I was walking through the park. I saw two neighbours, one of several couples actually in the building. These two, early 30s maybe. The guy's a bit odd because he recognises me. We've had one or two dealings and, uh, you know, when we had the Sarah Everard visual out there, I think back in March, he was the only guy there that night unmasked. He doesn't wear his mask. There's the voice going, I won't edit that out. Let's carry on. He recognizes me, I'm sure. I think maybe he's just uh, shy or awkward. Never leads on a hello. I was carrying several bags 
had the rucksack, the busted rucksack, had a big, deep boots Christmas bag. So big and deep, actually. I'm not used to carrying plastic bags that uh, big that it dragged across the pavement a couple of times. I had to wipe it clean with an antibacterial wipe when I got in. And I had to replace my football shoes, which is why that particular particularly big bag uh, came with me today. I'll come to that in a minute on the uh, football shoes. Anyway, I got ignored by the neighbour a couple of minutes later. I, I've arrived at the building. It is bins day. You know, the bins get collected tomorrow's empty tomorrow, rather. So you've got to put the bins out today, of course. The guy had left, hadn't put the bins out. It's 18.06 hours right now. The bins still aren't done. I've heard other neighbours come in. There's plenty of guys in this building. I do the bins almost every week. I'm not feeling great today, pain-wise, so I'm not doing them. I do the mail too. That's partly because I refuse to use the new mailboxes. I've covered that on uh, previous shows. And uh, the post man or woman... I don't think they particularly care for splitting all the mail now that one box, new mailbox, is sealed up. So they just stick it through the communal letterbox. And it's very rare that anyone uses the key for the communal letterbox to collect the mail. So I tend to uh, I tend to do that. Got more workmen this week. That's what I'm remembering. That's why I'm coming across as slightly distracted. That's on Thursday morning. That's going to be a pain. That's going to involve a fair bit of cleaning afterwards. So I didn't actually do much housework this weekend because I thought uh, that's going to be my Thursday afternoon. So I'm not doing it twice in a week. On to the football. My second football match was last Wednesday night. No, last Thursday night. It's Wednesday this week. I've just had a message to say we're playing on Wednesday this week. And uh, we had to play this team. They weren't as good as the team from last week, but uh, they were more together. They weren't arguing amongst each other. Less challenging Though for us, though it was still fairly challenging. There's no doubt about it that playing football at this age is pretty difficult. We were playing by some trees. And I didn't realise that this means, you know, this time of year you're going to be dealing with midges. I can't remember a night where I suffered as badly as I did last Thursday with midges. I caught them during a game. I kept feeling little weird tingling sensations on my shins. And I started to look down. And I'd see them casually latching onto my legs. I would actually see, I was actually seeing blood. It was as if there was some agreement in place with them. I'd spot them. They wouldn't move. I had to flick them off. They weren't even trying to hide what they were doing. I tell you what, the next two or three days, the itching has has subsided now. I put everything on it. I put uh, all sorts of cream on it. I bought some anti-itch cream. I've got some insect bite cream, none of which did much. And I ended up with these like big pimples, about six or seven bites, I think. And now I know why one of my friends, the first thing they did was uh, spray themselves with insect repellent. I didn't know it was insect repellent because what happened at the start of the game is I pulled my groin really badly and I couldn't move so I asked him I'd seen him with some spray and I asked him if that was some muscle spray and at that point he said no it's insect repellent so I hadn't twigged why he was spraying himself with insect repellent luckily for me I had a couple of um, ibuprofen in my bag this week I plan on taking the deep heat fragrance uh, free I'll say that again the deep heat fragrance free herbal 
lotion and I'll use that, which is what I've used now. And to take the painkillers, I had to wait a considerable amount of time for the pain to subside, which wasn't good really. So I had to play in golf for a bit. And what I'm going to do next week, this week rather, is I'm going to take my long johns just in case I don't find any insect repellent spray beforehand because I, I took a look in Superdrugs today and it's pretty expensive. So I'm going to try my luck in Sainsbury's, see if I can at least get some nectar points for such a, for such an extravagant outlay. And I played a tiny bit better on Thursday until my left foot went through my actual trainer. So I've had to replace those. So that was more money that I had to spend. I couldn't complain too much because, you know, I was playing in the same trainers that I broke my actual foot in. I don't think that they've broken so much through wear and tear, just really through aging. They've been in a bag barely used for you know over a decade and I think they've just had their time but my left foot went completely through the trainer so um, not ideal scored my first goal in 12 years I can't remember if I mentioned that that felt weird because I could still remember my last goal it was in a -a five-a-side game at Baker Street about two weeks after I'd fractured the foot in around June 2009 and I still remember the goal left foot all left foot and uh, placed in the left corner of the five-a-side goal given the keep of the ice. And I knew that night that that would be my last goal, uh, either forever or for a long time. And, uh, you know, for 12 years, I thought it would be forever, simply because I was in so much pain that night with the fracture and knew that there was a, a serious problem. The groin pull I've tried to address by watching some groin stretching videos on YouTube, some really good videos, but I might need to find some that won't involve me having to lie on my back on the grass in central London on uh, Wednesday night. So need to find some that uh, don't involve that. What I have realized is that recovery-wise, it's three days before I can run again because I've done it now two weeks in a row. And it's weird. It's not as difficult as running Although I have to say it's really weird playing football now and my body not being able to do what my head wants it to do. That is a really weird thing. But I think the movement and not running in straight lines and the way you're having to turn your body, it just leaves me wrecked for three days. And I use those three days to try and practice these uh, stretches, which I was able to do. But as I say, I need to find some better stretches and uh, just trying to find my notes here. Where is my notes? Oh, I've got them here. So that's something. That's something I know. So if I'm playing Wednesday this week, I may not be able to run until Saturday now. So that's going to be a bit of a problem because I like to have the weekends off, but I don't think that's going to be possible. I went on a run yesterday, just a shorter run, really, um, because I am worried that maybe I've just been running too much and, you know, I've been doing 10Ks, done 14K a couple of weeks ago, and that's probably not helping them. You know, I've got a fair idea now of what's going on with my body, um, and maybe I'm just exacerbating the issue with all this um, exercise. And um, the days that I was resting, I felt fine. As soon as I came back yesterday from the run, I suddenly felt very sore again clear indication that there is an issue and that has it looks like that's going to be something to definitely 
confront, something to, you know, it's, it's a challenge that's on the way. It's a worry. But didn't want to do the run. It was a shorter run, but it was just as difficult. And I basically, I halved my laps. So to avoid the hills, I thought I don't want to punish my body that much. And intensity wise, I just seem to have plateaued. Can't break that in the average intensity level. And I was struggling from the off yesterday, which is just uh, really weird. Just not enjoying it. Sometimes I think, well, maybe I should just run around the perimeter, the external perimeter of the park. But I always find those people annoying because you've got a park to run in. We're in a pandemic. People are nervy around uh, runners, rightly so. So why not just run in the park? But it's such a difficult park. And... um, (sighs) I just start running. I think, oh my God, how much do I hate this? So at least football I enjoyed a bit more, but I'm not as confident with the football as I am with the running. I know I can do the running. What I know now, obviously, is I can't run for three days right now. Certainly at this stage in the football, maybe, you know, four or five weeks from now, if I'm still knocking around, I'll be able to, you know, my recovery will be a bit quicker and I'll be able to run within a couple of days. Just trying to find, here's my note. I was taking this note down on my way to football last Thursday. There was a a weird argument. I was on a northbound number two bus heading for Marylebone Station, which I saw for the first time. Can you believe that? I live in London and I'd never seen a station as famous as Marylebone before. I mean, not that I've never seen a famous station. I'm saying that of the famous stations. I'd never seen Marlebone Station. I didn't even know where it was. I thought it was on the other side of Baker Street. So I found myself outside this station via a, a bus journey. I was on the number two upper deck. Always seems to be quiet at this particular time as I'm traveling. I heard, uh, just forgot to say, I heard some beeping earlier. I keep hearing it. And I'm wondering if it's the fire alarms or the, the, the smoke alarms rather in the flat, which is a problem because these ceilings are so high and I've got a really tall ladder here that is not a great ladder to use. You really need two people. You need one holding this ladder. It's um, might have to tackle that. But every time the beeping, I hear the beeping, I step out into the hallway and um, I can't see it. I can't see any lights flashing, nothing. I'm going to have to take a look tomorrow. It might be in the communal hallway, but these are the kind of things that about uh, nine, ten years ago when I was living in my flat in Stockwell would drive me mad and I would start replacing all the the, uh, batteries in the communal hallways as well because I just couldn't sleep and it was driving me mad. So there was this couple arguing on the bus on that number two northbound about the identity of someone who got stabbed in Brixton, I think, years ago. Turned out it was the ex of this guy. And apparently the current girlfriend had caught him posting on some forum about this stabbing. And he'd actually referenced his ex-girlfriend as just girlfriend. And his current girlfriend was saying to him, you're just trying to recreate something you had years ago. And this guy was kind of protesting a little too hard. I think he was going into too many details, which is always um, never a good sign, really, when someone starts talking themselves into trouble. And the girlfriend's issue was that he had referred to his ex's stabbing as, uh, in the the post, as my girlfriend. And the current girlfriend was questioning the absence of the uh, then girlfriend i.e. my then girlfriend and i think they were on the point of breaking up 
Or maybe they're one of those couples who just seem to have these arguments all the time but won't break up for years and just keep doing each other's head in. Uh, but it was just very, very unhealthy. And uh, I was surprised at how old they are, be- um, how old they were rather, because I was expecting them to be quite a young couple, maybe late 20s, early 30s, because of the nature of the argument. But they were middle-aged, so uh, that surprised me. They they got off at uh, Marble Arch, and at one point the guy was saying, take that effing back. I just felt that he was trying a little too hard, you know. But uh, you can't have those kind of arguments, I think, and continue with uh, a relationship. A shout-out to my young cousin Charlie now. Uh, shout-out, as uh, Howard Hughes would say. Um Usually my go-to guy on the rare occasions I've had to find uh, an illegal football stream for my sibling out in the Gulf. Uh, These uh, young kids today, like Charlie, they can find you anything online. I had no idea that he's actually started listening to this show, hence the uh, shout-out. He was telling me that he's enjoying his his new job, which is good, as I said to him, even if it's not something that you want to do, that bears no resemblance to what you eventually want to do with your life. It's good to work somewhere that you enjoy being and you you enjoy the people that you're working with. So he's fortunate in that respect. And, uh, you know, like me, I think he spent a lot of time isolating and not seeing many people so I'm pleased that he's out there and meeting new people and uh, you know he's got plenty of time he's a young man he's got plenty of time to get into what he wants to do uh, with his career so um, yeah shout out to uh, Charlie got me reminiscing about my time in the Fitzrovia picture library that I worked in from 94 to 95 which uh, I was telling them about briefly and I was so stupid to quit that job because the pressure of working in accounts when I'm so bad with numbers was getting to me and you know with a bit more experience I wouldn't have cut my nose off to spite my face I never had another job as enjoyable as that as good as that I've said it before on this show if I'd stayed in that job I think it would have led to other more interesting nine to five jobs that would have made it easier for me to handle um, having the man in my life while I tried to carve out a career as a writer, I never, ever had another job like that picture library. It was just a, a wonderful experience. I was probably too young to appreciate it. I didn't go to the university. I think that was that and maybe Woolworths. Woolworths less so. Woolworths was like a great sixth form college. But the Fitzrovia picture library, I think that was my university. It was just a wonderful year of meeting new people, you know, all older than me and working in an exciting environment just as the internet was starting to come through uh, at an exciting time in a beautiful part of central London. There we go, the sound of South London. I was on South Lambeth Road this morning. There was an ambulance that started the siren, then it stopped it, then it started it. If you're going to start the siren, if you're going to fire up the siren, commit to it. I'd rather hear the siren for 30 seconds than hear it like that, just a blast of siren for what? Where are you going? What are you doing? Why did you need to turn the siren on for like two seconds? Makes no sense. Anyway, the picture library, beautiful time. Wish I'd stayed there longer. Didn't need to leave when I left. Set in place a pattern of walking out of jobs, mostly bad jobs. This, unfortunately, was a, a brilliant job and uh, I walked out. I think it, I don't, it was a bad time for me. Because I'd had a breakup the year before with this uh, girl that I'd fallen for at college. 
who would go on to be a, well, already was a big figure in my life. And then David Caruso had quit NYPD Blue. And then I quit my best ever nine to five job. Never got back to that. Never, ever got back to a job that gave me the same warm feeling as that place. You're listening to Daniel Ruse Tyson is available, episode 338. Follow the show or me on Twitter and Instagram at 1607westegg, facebook.com forward slash DRT available. Find all the work at danielruistyson.com. There are PayPal and coffee.com links on there if you're able to make a one-off donation to keep this work going. That's appreciated. And I'll we transfer the latest Patreon bonus episode to you. Uh, this week, I'm not going to ask you to review the show on Apple Podcasts, etc. By the way, the show didn't appear on Apple last week for about four days. I had to chase them and chase them hard about it. They didn't even give me a reason as to why it didn't appear. I've asked them to tell me why it didn't appear. They still haven't come back to me. I mean, these guys, they're, they're like a crap landlord, a, a crap podcast landlord. That's what Apple Podcasts are. So anyway, I'm not going to ask you to review the show on Apple Podcasts. That's obviously not going to happen in most cases. But I will say this. Do please share, retweet the show links when you see them on social media. Do not keep quiet about this podcast, please. It's a lot of work, a lot of time. If each one of your listeners just tells one other podcast listener about this show, then we could be looking at doubling the audience to around 160 listeners. Maybe you're the jealous type of listeners. Maybe you want to keep this show to yourself. But the amount of time it takes me to come up with this show every week, I need those listeners. I need to be doing this for a bigger audience. You know me well enough to know that I won't let success an increase in listenership, which for me is success. I won't let it go to my forceps delivery-sized head. I'm a grounded guy. I just need some listeners, that's all. It's not an unreasonable request. Most importantly, though, he said with a hard swallow, the best way to support this work is via the Patreon page. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash DRT. Available for early access to the show and lots of bonus content. By the way, there's also a new When Shorts Were Short episode that came out via all podcast providers on Friday, last Friday, another Euro special, this time focusing on Euro 92 and the worst England team in living memory. You can find that via all the usual providers and you can follow that show on Twitter at Shorts Were Short. More pandemic dreams, weird dreams to bring you. I thought that last night's one was okay, actually. It involved two friends of mine, two old friends of mine, Mickey Blue and my old friend Pete, and they were managing me. I was a boxer. I was 3-0, and undefeated. I couldn't believe it that I was undefeated, that I was carving out a career as a boxer, and that these two guys were manage, uh, managing me. And then it was coming up to my fourth fight, and it was in Brixton, and it was a strange one actually. And it wasn't it wasn't even a location that exists, but I was able to work out whereabouts in Brixton this building was, and it was by the Ritzy Cinema. But instead of the cinema, it was some weird venue. You entered through a side door on Cold Harbor Lane. And it expanded into some kind of indoor market 
with a first floor, and on that first floor, uh, partially uh, partially covered with a roof, but then you know partly exposed was Brixton train station, and I'd gone there with my friend Mickey Blue and Pete. And they were managing me and they were impressed with my uh, boxing record so far. They couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And there I was. And I started noting that one of the guys that I was said to be facing looked like he belonged to a different weight category. And I was I was a bit concerned. I was thinking I might have bitten off uh, a bit more than I can chew here. And I just thought at that point I might make myself scarce, take a walk and try and work out what I'm doing here, what I'm trying to do with my life by doing this boxing thing at my age. And I was walking around looking at these parader shops. It was nearly empty. The whole place was nearly empty. And eventually I made my way back into the venue, which involved going through another small entrance on the first floor and that small entrance then became this bigger venue a bit like do you remember well you will do if you're from my generation the old smarties ads from the 80s that involved this life-size smarties tube and you'd the camera would go through it and it suddenly expanded to some huge venue some kind of weird party venue like a really the kid's equivalent of maybe the Hacienda. That's what it reminded me of when I became an adult. I'd always say that's a bit like the Smarties ad whenever I'd see clips of the Hacienda. Anyway, I'm, I'm um, going off on a tangent here. I went back there and my original opponent had ended up fighting someone else. And uh, I think they were inferring that I was a bit of a chicken. And then I sat down because I was going to go through with it. I was going to go through with that fourth fight. And suddenly I saw my opponent that was stepping in after I'd missed the fight that I was meant to have. And again, he looked like he was outside my weight category, like he was certainly heavier than me. And I thought, oh, I'm I'm in trouble here. And at that point, that dream ended. But I was pleased that um, that I'd gone back because I think there was the sense that I was being like the cowardly lion, but I'd gone back there and proved my old school masculinity, even if it meant me taking a beating in the ring. There was another dream, just briefly, I can't remember too much about this, but it involved James Milner and I was telling him, he was at training and I was telling him as he was toweling down, so I don't think it was the right time to be talking to him, but I was telling him that I'd never rated him in his long career until he arrived at Liverpool and uh, to be fair to him, he took it well. The worst of the pandemic dreams came over the weekend, a catnap as usual behind it. This was just yesterday and it just seems to me that those numbskulls in my brain seem to enjoy hitting me with these awful dreams. They seem to relish it. And it was Christmas and we were in the front room at Mayflower and um, there were more moths again. That seems to be a recurring theme in my dreams now, given my fear of anything with wings. And there were these, well, they might have been butterflies. No, I think these were moths. And uh, they were in the front room and I was trying to pick them off the walls, which wouldn't happen in real life because I won't go anywhere near anything uh, with, with wings. And I ended up calling the old house phone number and it went through to a, an automated message, which turned out to be a effectively a, a goodbye message from my dad saying that he was unwell, he didn't have long and he'd chosen not to hang around. 
And then my dad appeared in this dream and he had this ghostly pallor and I got the impression that that wasn't him, that that was his ghost. And, you know, I've had dreams about my dad's ghost before, but not for a long time. So that was a weird one. But I woke up from this dream and for the first time ever, I I found myself thinking how 2000 and 2001 could have and should have been good years for me if I hadn't lost my mum. And I'd never thought that before. That had never crossed my mind. I just accepted the way that that part of my life had panned out. And it was a good thing that I accepted it because that was the reality and I had to find a way to, to come through that. But this dream was almost an epiphany in that respect. It made me look at those years in a way that I never had, in a what-if way. And honestly, I hadn't ever considered that before. And I wonder why I hadn't, because it's so true. And given how anal I am and how I tend to think about everything in huge detail, I, I wonder why I hadn't tackled that before. Because it is true. I had a real momentum to my life at that point that I never quite recaptured. There was sporadic success, you know, to be fair to myself, but that success always came in a back-against-the-wall kind of way. And um, it's weird, these dreams. It's weird the tricks your mind plays on you, the feelings it leaves you with in your in your dream state. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. That one did bother me a bit. A hygiene fail, moving on from the pandemic dreams, 1833 hours now, still trying to get a workout in tonight before eating. A hygiene fail, 8th of July, 11.05 hours, southbound 88. A kid boarded ahead of me. We both went up to the upper deck. Uh, he went up before me. I saw him pick up a discarded Metro and then he rubbed his face and hair, and I thought, what are you doing? I said at the start of the pandemic, these newspapers shouldn't have been on the buses. Given at that time, you know, I mean, I think now, are we saying it's more airborne than, you know, clinging to surfaces, this virus? Either way, I think it's still, it is a surface thing as well. These papers shouldn't be on the buses. Regardless of the pandemic or not, they shouldn't be on buses anyway, because you can't trust people to take the papers with them afterwards and bin them, um, you know, recycle them, whatever. You know, buses have just become so messy with these papers in the last few years. Let me give you this week's uh, nectar points. I think uh, I accrued three or five nectar points over the weekend with a book I had to get for, uh, for when shorts were short. I can't remember if it was three or five. I should have checked, really. I'm not going to log into my Nectar Points account now. I went into, this is from the 9th. When was the 9th? It's the 12th today. The 9th was Friday. Went into Sainsbury's with a, a points balance of 419. Bought some uh, yogurts. Bought some Long Life. Bought some fabric conditioner. Uh, some Hall's uh, sugar-free lozenges. I, I'm addicted to those, to be honest. I, I think... I think it's an anxiety thing when I'm in bed. I'm suddenly sucking on sugar-free sweets now and the halls are, you know, the icing on the cake. I'm just sucking on polos, sugar-free polos, or these lozenges. The lozenges are an effective decongestion. I don't, uh, decongestant even. I don't really need the polos, but it's just a habit. 
I've never done this before. You know, once I brush my teeth, that's it. But I'm brushing my teeth. I'm having to brush my teeth again afterwards just before bed because of this habit. And I just think it's something that really helps me to stay calm right now. Bought some uh, Sainsbury's own Vapo rub uh, as well, £1.30. You know, the Vic stuff, it's too strong for me. And it's, uh, you know, £4.50 overpriced. And I bought uh, two single oranges for 60p. I think I told you last week I'm now buying blackberries, uh, blueberries even. God. I never buy blackberries. I'm buying um, blueberries from Sainsbury's at the moment. There's a few offers in and those little blueberries are awful. They just don't last. They turn so quickly. Okay, so that's my nectar points. Oh, so I earned five points on a on an expenditure of £5.80. Left Sainsbury's with 424 points. My points are worth £2.12. Bring it on. Uh, Star Wars football results to bring you very competitive league this season. I think the problem for Star Wars football is that the squads are now essentially super squads. So you're never going to get a team now as you'd get in the 80s or 90s running away with the league. It is so tight and so many teams are drawing. So it's not maybe not the most exciting league this season, Silver Age season six. And of course... It's gone to eight aside, so there's less space now. So the individuals at the moment are being stifled. You've got teams playing two at the back. You've got some teams playing three at the back, you know, with a couple of wing backs. Uh, interesting, interesting, and all very early now in the, in the uh, eight aside era. Uh, one Champions League group game to bring you from last week, uh, just the one game last week uh, on the ninth. That was Cloud City 1. Zoffo won. Zoffo or Zeffo? I can't read my writing. If you're a Star Wars fan of Star Wars and you know your Star Wars moons and planets, you might be able to help me there. I think it's Zeffo, but I've written Zoffo here. I'm going to go with Zeffo. 1-1, Group 3, both Champions League uh, debutants, And uh, then uh, a welcome return for the League. Uh, league Week 4, the leaders. Uh, Bezbin played second place to Alderaan. Uh, Besbin were at home, a goalless draw. Really good game. Hammerhead, the ultra-on skipper, was uh, man of the match there. But again, both teams still remain at the top on six points, uh, both top by dint of goal difference. But again, they're not winning. They've won one game out of four. I think the points tally this season might be lower than last season, 26 from Tatooine. I think the days of when Besbin got uh, 31 points from 46 back in Silver uh, Silver Age Season 3, I think those days are long gone at the moment. Meantime, Rebels were unlucky not to secure a 1-0 win at Death Star. Death Star conceded their first goal of the season, an own goal from General Madine. And uh, I usually say Madden, but uh, for any Star Wars anoraks, I'm going to try and go for Madine because I think that's how you say it. And the Rebels were 30 seconds away from winning before Death Star got a late equaliser goal from Askey. That's what I'm calling him. I can't remember if that's his name. He's a relatively new arrival. His first goal for Death Star. Just a minute earlier, Power Droid Death Star's signing from Tatooine in the close season. Had to retake a penalty four, t- uh, four times. There's the throat going. Uh, missed it eventually, so Askey got him out of trouble. Death Star still remain unbeaten. A much better performance, though, from Rebels. They'll be encouraged by that. And uh, last night, before the Euro 2020 final, Empire uh, came back from a goal down at halftime as they hosted X-Wing. Won all the final score. Uh, X-Wing, again, the draw specialist. Four games played, four games drawn. You can't win the league 
like that. Let's end with a lengthy trip to the cafe now. By the way, I'm seeing a lot of people at the moment with their masks around their arms, looped around their arms. Something of a fashion statement, I think, as we move into high summer. Just stick it in your pocket. You know, fold it the right way, stick it in your pocket. You know, how do these things become fashion things? What is it? What do you want? Do you want someone to stop you in the street? So, well, that looks really impressive. That that mask around your arm. That looks so cool. Tuesday, I saw, I can't remember if I told you last week. I forget so much stuff from week to week. I saw the old woman in the cafe. Might have told you that. I was was sat indoors that day because it was raining and she'd come in and patted me on the right shoulder. That was a nice moment. I'm sure I told you about that. Um, Things to look out for in terms of my tall glass handling technique still finding my uh, little finger is remaining on the tall glass i've switched back to the left-handed tall glass handling which is you know what i've done for the bulk of my 20 years in the cafe but i think as uh, as i try to settle into drinking al fresco i was all over the place and i was using my right hand for the tall glass a few times and i think that's uh, that's where the little finger came in everything was new everything felt different and i just uh, was all over the place in terms of uh, glass handling last wednesday seb k the cafe's uh, most affable waiter 16 years now since he arrived he was stroking a dog that afternoon a small dog belonging to a customer And I thought, is he likely to wash his hands after this? Because maybe I'm not going to order my second latte from him. But of course, he might then be behind the bar later. There was no way that I would know. He might be behind the bar making the lattes, handling the glasses, the tall glasses. There's no way of knowing. Big hygiene fail, though, on his part. Meantime, a troubling incident on Friday, Friday the 9th, the... um, well, I don't know if it was more troubling for me or for the beard. The beard winked at me as if to say hello. I think that's what he was doing. That's the universal gesture. Wink, hello. Uh, I wasn't sure whether I should wink back. I don't know if when someone winks at you, you wink back. I don't think that's the way it works. I should have just gone with a nod. But instead, in a new development, it wasn't even something I piloted. It was just something instinctive and very wrong. I simply widened my left eye as much as possible. I don't know what he made of that. Fantastic customer, by the way, with polyosis sat at a table uh, that afternoon. Big circular white patch of hair on the back of his scalp. That would frustrate me. I'd be happy to have a polyosis patch, but I'd want it at the front of my scalp so I could see it. And if, you know, if I ever gave myself a lockdown haircut, I could then watch it grow back. These things fascinate me. They also, those patches often mean that the person with the polyosis patch will also have what is known as a halo nevus, often on the knee for some reason. It's weird what the body can do, isn't it? It really is. A halo nevus, by the way, is a, a normal mole, but it has a white ring around it, a halo, a white halo around it. That's what a halo nevus is. Also in on Friday, and I hadn't seen him in about a decade, was... A guy, and it took me a while to recognize him, by the way, but was a guy who has the distinction of being the cafe's shortest ever waiter, even shorter than the temperamental illustrated man. And he was really young when he worked there. He'd always have short hair, but he was, he had this stubble the other day, but it looked like dirt. It was incomplete and it looked like he'd used boot polish, actually. Had a a, a tattoo now under his left forearm was wearing three-quarter length trousers, worked in the cafe for about a year, I would say uh, around a decade ago, 
And uh, I, I wondered if he recognized me, you know, just as I eventually recognized him. Might he have said to his girlfriend who was there with him, that guy, no, don't look now. Him over there, though, he used to he used to sit by the bogs all the time, no matter what, and he'd drag out his lattes for an hour. Wouldn't even tip. I wonder if there was some of that. I had to use the Cafe Lose on Thursday, first time in the pandemic era, uh, just before football, by the way. Had a couple of coffees. I thought it's going to be, you know, testing the bladder to be on a bus for an hour going into central London and then another, you know, half an hour before I can find the lose in uh, Regent's Park. Didn't play for the lose, by the way, in Regent's Park this week. We got changed in a place known as the hub where the toilets are, are constantly open. I noticed a lot of kitchen towels in the cafe loose. That never used to happen. So there was a huge roll of kitchen towels that customers were using to dry their hands. I handled the taps. Again, rusty technique. Haven't used the loose there for a long time. I handled the taps. I was also aware that the swing saloon doors were still there. So, you know, if COVID was on those doors, those doors would be touching my clothes. Had to be careful. I didn't have the tissues that I'd have back in the day to handle the taps and the door lock. And I think maybe just the pills, the antidepressants slowing me down. I really need to up my game if I'm going to use those loose once a week before I go to football. It's nice to have a couple of coffees, do some writing before football. I think that's my ideal preparation. That afternoon, there was a woman with a a large Perspex box, which she clearly just bought from somewhere. And it was just too large to hold in what had become a long conversation between her and someone that she recognized who was sat down at one of the tables. They hadn't invited the woman with the Perspex uh, box to sit down, but the woman with the box, box woman, she balanced the box on her foot. And I just thought that's brilliant hygiene awareness. Like me, there was someone who clearly didn't want to bring the street into her home. Meantime, this morning, a distracted riding session because of everything going on. Uh, an old regular was there a man whose voice is like a woman's and has been throwing me for years it really is a woman's voice man that talks like woman was there with another regular who lockdown hasn't been kind to he really has been through it this poor guy he's the guy who back in 2015 after just a couple of interactions asked me if i wanted to go halves with him on a mortgage to buy his council flat across the road he's the same guy who last year just as we were on the cusp of the first lockdown i mentioned seeing him on this show i mentioned that i'd seen him on south lambeth road as i crossed to towards the cafe and he was leaving the cafe and i made a point that day of not shaking his hand as i began to take on board just how serious Uh, This whole, I think, what we were calling coronavirus that day, how serious this thing seemed to be. There was no elbow greeting or fist bumping either that day. None of those ridiculous but now not so unusual salutations that I'm doing at football every week. And I think he was a little offended that day because he's clearly a guy who likes the handshake. I'd um, changed table uh, after getting there, my my preferred table in the um, alfresco area, right at the uh, right at the back, on the corner of this uh, street that leads to a dead end. Um, I normally sit there just to get away from the smokers if I can. Not always successful. There's the throat going. I'm going to have to get some water. Just stay with me because I just want to. I don't really want to edit this show this week. 
upload and post it and that's it it's uh, coming up to an hour of audio now I think it's a good show I ended up sitting at the usual he would say that wouldn't he I ended up sitting at my usual table after this guy left and it wasn't cleaned by Phil Collins which was a little disappointing and that table at the back that's effectively the new alfresco toilet table for me the awning was out because there was only a light breeze rain was expected didn't rain thankfully while I was there but it was expected and I knew that I had to take up the opportunity to to get that table just in case otherwise I can't write meantime man after after I switched tables I was sat behind man talks like woman and he dropped a £20 note under his table and hadn't spotted it, and I could easily have taken it. God knows I need it. Could have done a weekly shot with that or even strengthened some of the Star Wars football squads, but I'm not virtue signalling here. You can't do that. That is not the way to get money. If I lost £20, I know that I wouldn't get over it. That would bug me. And uh, for me, it was enough you know, that I could still remember what a £20 note looked like. My friend, I said, standing up dramatically as my post-lockdown raconteur alter ego re-emerged. You've dropped some money. Man talks like woman bent down, picked up the 20 pounds, thanked me uh, profusely, excessively perhaps. The other regular with him, who was having a, a coffee with him, Mr. Still Wants a Handshake. The, uh, the 2015 Do You Want to Go Halves With Me on a Mortgage guy. Um, he said to man talks like woman, that man is blessed by God. Which was nice to hear. I pretended not to hear it. It was nice to hear, but not sure about that. The news from the hospital is looking uh, rather gloomy right now. So uh, I don't think I'm anywhere near a blessing right now. Interesting stat, by the way, that I read regarding writers. 67% of writers when asked said they hadn't seen a £20 note since the late noughties. At listeners of my old podcast, a six-part 2012 series, Nowhere Has Everything You Need, which was essentially me laying down the template for this show. The Baptist of this show's Messiah. Obviously, I'm talking, I'm making that analogy in terms of uh, in the world of poorly downloaded indie shows. Seem to be an awful lot of motorbikes about this evening. Uh, in this show, Nowhere Has Everything You Need, I remember in one episode telling you about a guy one summer's day back in 2012. He was wearing a light tan leather jacket like Dr. Zaius in Planet of the Apes. And uh, he was at uh, the old NatWest ATM in Stockwell and he'd taken money out and he'd left it at the ATM. It was about £60 and I went after him and I gave him his money and... I'd never seen him before, but that same day I saw him about, I uh, don't know what's going on with the throat, just going to keep going to the end tonight. I saw him about four times that same day, and each time he kept thanking me, he was overthinking. I was just pleased to do it. That's it. Thank me once. That's it. And I just hope that, or we all hope in that situation, that other people would do the same. There's so many people struggling. That is not the way to get money. But uh, that was on my mind today because I'm hoping that uh, telling man talks like woman that he dropped 20 pounds. I'm hoping that doesn't open up another channel of uh, communication there at the cafe. Uh, back to the cafe, meanwhile, back to man talks like woman, actually, and uh, still wants a handshake in pandemic. Um, they were settling up, painfully dividing the costs of their coffees. And that's why I don't really like people buying me drinks in there and vice versa there was a, a 
spell of that around 2015 with uh, still wants a handshake in pandemic uh, we we had a week of that and it just made me uncomfortable and uh, Phil Collins the straight-backed little waitress gave them their bill they paid up by the way I, I tweeted last night I think Declan Rice is the best posture in football and uh, Phil Collins has got great posture very Declan Rice. Actually, I was watching Declan Rice with his upright sensor-like posture, and I thought, that guy's got posture like Phil Collins, the waitress, not the singer. So the guy's paid up. As she left, still wants a handshake and a pandemic remarked, she can really fix you with a hard look. She can be nasty, or she can be really nice. He's North African. I don't know if that's a North African accent. I know what he meant by that, but I think, to be fair, that her contempt of old, partly down to shyness... Is largely a thing of the past. She has gone on to morph into a brilliant waitress. She really has. I mean, we're talking Hall of Fame, if you'll excuse the Americanism. When she first stepped out from the kitchen around 2014 as the late owner fell ill, you could tell that she wasn't happy about that. But, you know, it took her a, a year or so, but she adjusted to it and she's just a phenomenal waitress. I've got no problem with her. I did try small talking with her today. And uh, I asked her about uh, last night. Were you busy last night? And I, then I remembered, I don't think she works nights. So she might be wondering, he knows I don't work nights. Why is he asking me what I did with my evening? Either that or she just didn't understand what I was asking because I got no response. Her English is still pretty poor. On the um, still wants a handshake in a pandemic and how... Ruffy looks at the moment. It is interesting and sad too, seeing how people have emerged this side of the lockdown. And I'm sure it's not, you know, it's no different with me. The guys at football, several have remarked at how slim, even thin I am these days. And that's the running and the stress I tell them, what I tell you. And uh, Phil Collins has no longer been able to dye her hair, or she's chosen not to. Now that there is the option to, you know, go back to the hairdressers, she's largely white-haired now. Suits her, left a white hair on my glass saucer as she delivered my second latte. Today, there was another regular there today with her newborn grandchild who was screaming quite a bit towards the end of my writing session there. I say writing session, but as I tell you, I was just not focused today. I was quite um, distracted, anxious about a few things, mainly one thing, and... This uh, this regular with a grandchild, uh, she's also not dyed her hair. There was another of the long-time regulars there at the same table, someone who's been going there as long as I have. They've um, they've recolored their hair recently, so they're, they're obviously not ready to go down the white hair route. And that is it. On that note, on that hair color note, that is the end of today's long show. Now it's time for you to get those shoulders back, keep on walking towards the sun. I'm raising my voice because I'm hearing some stomach rumbles coming through. Keep washing those hands. Keep ventilating too. I'm Daniel Ruiz-Tyson and this start of the week I have been available. Mm-hmm.